tech and politics, like I can't think of two more um, male dominated, frankly, like potentially and very practically toxic places for women to work. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with a ton of bullshit. And when we opened this company, we had a lot of conversations about how we wanted to leave that at the door and build a place that we felt like we wanted to work. This is the Job Stories Podcast, how people find work that matters. We'll go ahead and get started. If if you don't mind, just introduce yourself. What are you doing now? What's your job now? Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, I am Mary Meller, and I'm the co-founder of Vodium, which is a Nashville-based tech startup. Um, We have the product. It's actually the world's first virtual teleprompter for presenting on Zoom um, or presenting virtually. And so co-founded the company with my best friend, Camille. Um, We're super proud to be building in Tennessee. We just celebrated our two-year birthday uh, of Vodium. And you know, I'm managing about a million things as founders do, um, but really focused on growing our partnerships and managing our customers, um, developing our product to be best in class, and then doing all the boring legal stuff. Um, I never went to law school. Uh, it was one path I almost pursued at one point, but um, that's part of my role at Bodium as well. That's funny. I, you know, just a startup, but as a, like a startup like we have as well here in Nashville, like sometimes I get involved in doing things like that. They're like, are you seriously asking me to like do a contract right now? So it's kind of funny to you say that. I know. But, I, know. I, have, I have to say, or my lawyers would kill me. I have very good lawyers who, you know, review everything, but I'm in charge of getting all the contracts out. And, you know, we just structured all of our equity, which was really interesting and complicated, but yeah. it's actually, I find it pretty fun. Nice. So that's the nerd in me. So y'all are two years old. So y'all started during COVID. We did. We wow. did. Yeah. So it's, it's a, actually a crazy story. So I guess I can dive into that. Um, we opened the company on April 17th, 2020. So about a month into the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I was living in LA with Camille, uh, my co-founder and, uh, mid-March, right. When everything started to shut down, I got the call from my parents in Memphis, Tennessee, um, that they had to lay off all of their employees from our family catering and barbecue business. Um, At the time, my dad was also the president of the Memphis Restaurant Association and like on the Tennessee Hospitality Board and was literally like going on the news every night to like talk about all the restaurants that were shutting down, what the city and state were doing to save the hospitality industry. Hmm. And it was crazy. I was, you know, running my own consulting business in L.A. um, and I just moved out there like nine months before um, and loved it. But I felt this huge call to come home. And so I packed up my car and on my 29th birthday, drove home to Memphis to live with my parents mm. um, and help them kind of like steer the ship, right. And just be there to support them. And so, you know, it was crazy times, right. I'm sure we could talk forever about everyone's pandemic stories, but I was in lockdown with my parents, um, you know, running my consulting business and Camille called with this crazy idea. She was doing a remote Zoom video shoot um, on a political race in Maine. And she goes, there's no teleprompter that sits on top of Zoom or Teams or WebEx or whatever you're using so that people can seamlessly read a script direct to camera. And I thought, there has to be something like that. Let me do a you know a market analysis for you, see if we can find anything. And she goes, you can do it, but it doesn't exist. And we need to build this. Wow. And at the time, I'm like, Cammy, come on. Like, I've got a company. I'm helping my family business right now. You're working 65 hours a week on these political races. But, you know, I did my homework and 24 hours later, I called her and said, I'm in. And we opened the company a week later. Um, We 
just really activated our networks, found a developer who was willing to build a beta project product and website for us. Um, and in four months, we had a beta product to market in August. Um, and suddenly we had members of Congress, executives of huge organizations, people all around the world buying our product, um, which was wild. Um, and yeah, then, wild. you know, from there, we've grown the company and just celebrated two years. That's awesome. Yeah, to say the the world's first product is is amazing. So you, it's it's I mean it's a blessing and a curse. I have to say, yeah. you know, it's funny when I when I started it, one of our now advisors said, "I never want to be in the business of selling something people don't know they need." Mm. Um, so we're definitely creating a category, right? Like most mm. people don't think, "Hey, I need a teleprompter," right? Yeah. News anchors, politicians, anyone making TV appearances, but. What's been cool is seeing other, you know, competitors enter the marketplace as people have realized they need tools to look great on camera. Um, and so we're, you know, we're really carving out the the niche for ourselves, but also for for the industry, really. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, you don't know that you need this, but you do. And we're going to tell <laughs> but you But you why. really do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you had your own consulting firm, too. So I, I'll preface this, but uh, we do IT recruiting. So we deal with a lot of candidates. But then also there's a really cool entrepreneurial aspect to this uh, podcast as far as our audience goes. And you, um, you mentioned you had your own consultancy firm, too, so and then jumped into this. So you've got some entrepreneurial background. Kind of what is your background, I, really? Yeah, I do. You know, it's it's a really interesting story. So I'm, I'm a fifth-generation entrepreneur at this point. Cool. My parents um, have all started small businesses. My grandparents were all entrepreneurs. My great-grandparents, like, it's my aunts and uncles. It's just totally in my blood. But I didn't go that route. Um, I went to college out west. I love to ski and hike. So I went to the University of Utah had a really fun time there. I actually studied Mandarin Chinese, political Whoa. science and economics in college. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I worked on political campaigns. I worked as a reporter for one of the major Utah newspapers and actually had a job offer when I graduated to come be a staff reporter at the Deseret News. But I was really passionate about Chinese and thought I wanted to kind of go the State Department route. So I packed up my bags at age 22 and bought a one-way plane ticket to Taipei, Taiwan. Um, which is the country and island off the coast of China and without a job and just landed in Taipei with like four years of college Mandarin skills, which weren't that great at the time. Mm. Um, and started looking for a teaching job and found one. Um, I taught kindergarten for 10 months in Taiwan when I graduated. It's an amazing experience. My Chinese was awesome at the time, That's you awesome. know, met a lot of cool people, ate a lot of great food, mm. loved the Taiwanese culture, um, and then decided it was time to move back to the States. And so I moved to DC in the midst of all of this, I mentioned earlier, I took the LSAT when I was in Taiwan and didn't do really well. And I, I love Sarah Blakely is one of my favorite, um, yeah. you know, female entrepreneurs. And I, I really love her for a lot of reasons, but also she also took and failed the LSAT and is really open about that. And at the time it was super kind of devastating because I, I was like, I need to either go to the state department or be a lawyer. And like, those are the two tracks, but didn't end up doing either. Um, and so I got a job at a big company called CEB. That was my first, you know, big professional job back in the States when I landed in Washington, D.C. Um, and ironically, my first job with them was producing 300 webinars a year for all of their mm -hmm. speakers. Wow. And little did I know, you know, about a decade later, I would yep. create a product for people speaking on webinars. Right. So I do that for about a year and a half. Um, and then I get this really cool opportunity called The Garage. So CEB was a publicly traded, about a billion dollar company um, with 5,000 global employees. And they pulled seven of us off of our day jobs, 
stuck us in an old server room in DC. I was one of two women. I was the only American on the team and told us to go basically ideate on an idea that the chief human resources officer had, which was an app, um, and then an idea of our own. And so this was like my first entrepreneurial experience, right, within a big company. Um, but it was amazing. I spent 40 days and nights literally like living and breathing product development um, with this team. And some of them have become still my best friends today. And I'm one of the um, colleagues that I was working with at the time is now like one of our MBA fellows at Bodium. So it was just really cool. But we built, launched, pitched an app prototype to the company. It was uh, funded and launched. And so after that, you know, I I really got the bug for product um, and for building things. And it was just an amazing experience at age 24 to be able to do that. Um, but they rolled us all back onto our day jobs. And so I was like, what am I going to do next? Um, and I got the opportunity to go work for um, a female entrepreneur in DC um, who was the, had a PR agency and she was an absolute powerhouse. And so I worked for her for about 10 months um, being her executive assistant. So both my co-founder and I are both executive assistants. And we always joke that that was like probably the most formative job we had because mm -hmm. you have to do everything, like anything asked of you, you have to wear a million hats. It's actually not unlike being an entrepreneur. Um, and so I, you know, I, I worked for that firm for 10 months. I was really grueling. I was working 80 hours a week at one point, um, kind of burnt out and then got an opportunity to actually go back to CEB, but in a product marketing role. And so for the next five years, kind of, I worked um, in product marketing and tech in DC, you know, launching million dollar products, naming things, pricing things, um, working with sales teams to really sell um, technologies. And then I decided I was kind of done with DC and was ready to follow my California dream. And so I decided to quit my job. I was working at Everfy, this amazing ed tech firm in DC. Um, had the full support of my bosses and moved out to California in 2019. My roommate, Camille, at the time, now my co-founder, decided to go with me um, just for an adventure. And so we moved out to California and I have like all the best contacts in tech in LA and start interviewing. And I'm like, this should be really easy. Like I'm a pretty seasoned product marketer at this point. Like the job market's strong. And I fall flat on my face, y'all. Like, mm. I don't know if you've had this, but it was a period, two months of just failure, like closed door after closed door mm. after closed door, you know, it made it to final round at Amazon got rejected, which was really a bummer for me at the time. Now I know it would be a terrible cultural fit there, um, was, you know, final round at another tech startup and they had a hiring freeze, like got so many no's. Um, and at the time I was doing a little bit of consulting forever for my company back in DC, just to kind of like pay my rent. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I, it was two months. I couldn't find a job. I, like I was just kind of at an impasse and I, one of my best friends flew in from DC and said, you have to come with me to this Palm Springs weekend. Um, there are a lot of cool people are going to be there. And I'm like, okay. And at the time I'm like very depressed, actually. Like, mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think maybe I threw away this great life in DC. I've mm. failed in LA and so I go that weekend and I meet a lot of great people. And one of the people I met was Seth O'Dell, who was at the time the chief marketing officer of National University in San Diego. And about a week after that trip, Seth calls me and goes, hey, Meller, like, have you got a job yet? And I'm like, no, like, I'm, 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 I don't know what to do. Like, I'm really at a loss. And he goes, great. I've got a project for you. Open up a consulting firm and come manage this 
$50 million relaunch of the university for me. And that was it. And I suddenly had a company and it was called Mary Miller Consulting. And then my DC work picked up more. Other friends started throwing me business and I was a one woman consulting shop um, until last December when we raised our seed round for Vodium um, and I, I closed it down. So that was really long winded, but that's my, that's my background. No, I love it. I mean, to, to the, just to add to that thought of that season where you're just getting rejected from jobs, it's like, dang, have I messed up? Like, this is, you know, like moving to LA, like it's beautiful. Like that's kind of, that's kind of our story. That's why we started this. Cause we do have a really cool opportunity to help people that are a little down and out trying to find jobs. We actually do. We have this sweet spot of where we can help them like get it. Just, so yeah. that's kind of our story as well as that. So Matthew actually was in teaching and then got into tech. So no um, way. I, I thought I'd let him get into that because you talked about teaching too. I so. failed the LSAT, yeah. gone months without jobs, yeah, yeah. so I feel you. Oh my God, Matthew, like we, we need to be best friends. It's yes. so funny. And yeah. what's really yeah. funny is he was, we make fun of him all the time. So this isn't new on the podcast necessarily, <laughs> but he was teaching fifth grade math, which like she was teaching Chinese and you know what I'm saying? So it was like, yeah. they probably felt like he was probably, cause he wasn't very good at math growing up. Right? Oh no. So, <laughs> Yeah, I only know that two plus two was four yeah. in about sixth grade. Literally, so. like, that's but anyway. hilarious. But yeah, yeah but, you know this like seasons when you like, it, you just you keep hitting closed doors are so yeah. hard. But you know, I always like think of that period now so fondly, mm-hmm. right? Like for a while, I had PTSD about it for sure because you had to call my dad for money. Like it, I was twenty nine yeah, yeah. eight at the time. I was like, I should be like like more settled in my career than this, but it was so humbling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, at one point felt like, okay, like this is rock bottom. Like I can't do this on my own. And so my family and friends network, like really just kind of lifted me up and carried me through that. And, you know, now I'm in the place where, you know, when I have friends or, or get in touch with people who are going through kind of major transitions or like what they feel like are crises, I feel like I can really share that experience because it is humbling, but it's really, gives you a lot of grit to walk through, walk through those times. That's a good word. And maybe we dig into that a little bit for a second, because I am interested, like, had you not learned some of those real hard lessons, um, there might not be some skill sets you have as a leader now with your own company that you can now Uh, implement. So do you kind of relate, like, are there some things that you've kind of, you look back on your journey and you're like, okay, I I think I can be a better leader now having gone through some of those things. Hundred percent, right? I think the first is is humility and and knowing that like you can be the most successful person at whatever you're doing, right? You can be at the top of your game. You can be a co-founder of a company, but, like you can't you can't do it alone, mm. right? And and that's mm. the cool thing for us right now is we're getting to hire a team, mm. um, and they're amazing, and we're hiring these just incredible humans who are so smart and so talented at what they do and are so much better than me or, you know, Cami and our respective strengths at what they're good at. And so that's, I think, really cool to bring, you know, we're, we're getting to build a team and just have more people around us to do, do things better than we've done it over the last few years, just bootstrapping. Mm. I think also like failing that, that season for me really gave me a lot of like, screw it, like try it right like once you've failed so hard or you feel like you failed and you've hit that bottom you're really not afraid to try things and if it doesn't work fine like you'll think of something else and so I think like very practically and and you know the season we're in Bodium and for the last two years like we've tried a lot of stuff and not been afraid to to fail right like okay that didn't work let's try something else um and then just you know I think 
kindness, right? Like I had so many people show me so much kindness through that season and throughout my life. Right. And it's a personal value of mine, right. It's to, it sounds so cheesy, but like the golden rule is is real. Mm. And I try to walk it every day, but like really understanding everybody's out here doing their best and especially opening a company during the global pandemic, like people are really, everyone's struggling and everyone's going through it. But I think it's, um, you know, it's just that much more important to, to give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, assume good intent. So that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, um, let's kind of point it at the company now at your company. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of paraphrasing and we're back to the first product that's ever hit the marketplace. Yeah. So Nike, when they first came about, they were just for performance. They were just like, how do we get these track starters at the University of Oregon to beat Oregon State? And mm-hmm. then they shifted a couple years into, wait, but people want style too. They want to look cool while they're running fast. So like, how have you managed, like, we think this is what Vodium is, but the customers are saying they need this. And how have you like pivoted that throughout um since its inception in march or april of 2020 yeah april of 2020 that's a really good question um and i'm I'm thinking through you know how i want to answer that so when we came up with the first prototype of the product right, right we we had to make a lot of assumptions because camille you know my co founder knew that she needed this for like a pretty niche uh, use case, right. Which was recording a video two way, having someone read a script, but what we saw, right. With our TVs on 24 seven, you know, the news on was that, you know, being on virtual with suddenly everyone's virtual is that everyone was struggling to make eye contact, right. People are looking down at their notes, looking at their second monitor or frazzled. There wasn't the same level of decorum that you had in person. And so we, we knew that this would hopefully be useful for people, right? Because we could see people struggling with the problem that we were seeking to solve through Vodium. And so we launched the app in August or beta and talked to every single person who, who bought it or tried it, right? Like we've probably had between the two of us, 1500 conversations with users about what they like about the product and what they don't. And, you know, we've always prided ourselves in being super customer centric in that. The funny thing is the app itself hasn't really changed that much. Um, we've tweaked some things here and there. It's more transparent now. It, it, it retains your text when you close it out, but it's really simple by design. And so in some ways, right, we've, we haven't changed the technology too much, but now that we have funding, right. And that that's really the, the game changer, right. Is, are you funded? Do you have money to pour into a product roadmap or not? What's cool is all of the ideas that our customers have given us over the last two years, we're now plotting out on a roadmap and are about to go build them. And um, I think that at its core, Vodium will always be simple and, and we really love simplistic design and I could talk all day about that. But you know, I think what's exciting is we can add more value through features, but also services, right? Like people want to be better on camera now that we all have accepted the fact that we're going to be hybrid forever, right? This is never, ever going away. And so we're really excited to think about different partnerships um, and how we can really coach and like walk with people as they try to be the best communicators possible virtually. Hmm. I, I 
totally get it. You're kind of at the ground level, but um, you've got funding, so that kind of puts you on top of a little bit of a hill. Um, but as you grow your team and as mm-hmm. you start to delegate some task and um, have people implement new policies and maybe that'll fail. And how do you keep, because you've had some maybe negative experiences in the corporate world. How do you keep your company as it is now, which I'm sure is the place that you want to work. How do you keep that the place you want to work as it grows? I love this question, Matthew. I mean, I think this is a challenge for every founder, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I'm asking for myself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think that um, I'll say two things. So one, Camille and I both come from backgrounds as female founders that were um, pretty toxic, right? Tech and politics. Like I can't think of two more um, male dominated, frankly, like potentially and very practically toxic places for women to work. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with a ton of bullshit. And when we opened this company, we had a lot of conversations about how we wanted to leave that at the door and build a place that we felt like we wanted to work. Right. And mm-hmm. not just, Oh, we want, you know, Vodium to be a, a place where people are happy and open and honest. Like what do those values actually look like? Right. And, and what are, what are the things we're going to put in place to make sure, you know, everyone feels heard and like, this is a good place to work. And so as we're bringing on team members, you know, we're working really diligently to have open lines of communication, right? I think honesty and open communication is kind of like our, the way we operate in the basis of everything, making sure people feel really empowered in their roles. Um, and, and not just like, we're the founders, we're going to dictate here are the ideas, like go do this, right? But like we're hiring people on who are better than us at what we're hiring them for. So we want them to feel ownership. And, you know, as we, I think we grow that that's going to become a, a bigger challenge, right? Um, but I think like just being open and honest and talking about those values and making sure everyone feels like they have ownership in that um, is really important. The other thing is, you know, we've given each employee who's come on equity in the company, um, so that they feel, and they, they are part owners in Bodium. Um, and we feel really, really passionate about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm curious too. I had this, um, thought whenever you were talking about your story and how there was a moment in your career where you learned some skills that wound up coming into fruition 10 years later, like life so bizarre, but I'm curious so on your journey, like, was there, you, you've had a lot of changes. You've had a lot of twists and turns. And we've asked this question to guests before, but we haven't in a while. It seems applicable to you. Are there some values that you can look back on and be like, this, this influenced my decision to do a new, kind of take a new job or new career uh, path? Or was it just like, that sounds really exciting. Let's go for it. Like, what were some of, some, do you remember some of the motivators and some of the twists and turns? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've always cared really deeply about my career, right? Even since college, like I, I sought out the internships that I, I wanted to, I've always been really applied, um, you know, student and person and employee, but I think what I've, one of the good things I've done, and, you know, I, I really try to impart this onto the the people that I, I mentor and, and to my friends is that I've always optimized for learning and skills, right? And, and it's not title, not always salary. I mean, which, to my own financial detriment, probably. Right. Like I could have gone into sales and like my, all my sales friends made a ton of money, but instead 
really optimized for learning and experience, but it's paid off now in that, you know, all of those jobs and twists and turns from being a teacher to an assistant to going into tech really prepared me to what, for what I'm doing now. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Like, I think looking for the skills that you want to build and opportunities to go build them is, is really one way to do it. And it's certainly the way that I've done it. And I'm, I'm glad that I, that's what I optimized for. And I love to hearing your story, like you're, you're uh, okay with taking risk. So in our, in yeah. our family, so am I, Matthew, maybe not so much, but no. that's how kind of how we started eventually. Uh, he just kept talking about it and, my, and I was finally like, let's just do it. So that's why I was yeah. curious too. Like sometimes you just kind of got to go for it, you know? Sometimes you have to so, go for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, Camille and I were talking about that last night, right? Like you just got to do it. And yeah. if it, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, but you know, it's, taking risk. If you have a risk appetite, like taking risks is kind of fun, you know, like it's, it's fun to try new things and to do crazy things and see if they work out because if they do work out, you know, you look up in two years later, you have a a company and a product and a patent pending and a team and, you know, customers who love your product. And if we hadn't taken this risk, you know, we we obviously wouldn't be here, but um, it's just, it's really cool looking back and I'm really proud of us. And so cool that you guys are doing it too. I mean, it's just great to yeah. talk to other founders who are also living it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And Nashville too, right? Like how, it, tell me your experience about building in Nashville. I'm curious, Nashville specifically, right? Yeah, so we we love building in Nashville. Um, we were originally headquartered in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I actually fully intended to move back to Los Angeles after, you know, I'd spent that time in Memphis kind of helping my family get the family business into a good place. But we raised a pre-seed round and our you know, investors and accountants were kind of like, look, like you should look at building outside of California um, in Tennessee or Texas or Florida. And, you know, Nashville was obviously the right fit. I grew up here. Um, it's such a cool city. There's so much creativity. And I, I, this one thing I like about, you know, I think Nashville and LA have in common, there's so many cool creative people across industries in this town. And it makes it a really fun place to meet people, other founders who aren't afraid to try things and do things a little bit differently. Um, so yeah. It's funny before we moved here, cause my wife's in energy, she's in music, but we were meeting with somebody that was on tour they from Nashville, but they were in LA and that's kind of how we met him. And we were saying, Hey, we're about to move to Nashville. And the guy just looked at him really, he just, he just goes, the water's warm. That's all he <laughs> said. Just the water's warm. Water's warm. And I, I love like, it. And now that we've gotten here and kind of doing business here, it's like, it really is though. Like people are so warm here and collaborative so and it's warm. been so yeah. cool. It makes yeah. a difference, right? Like when you're in a place that you feel like is supportive and like happy to have yeah. you here and you're happy to be here. It just, it's, it's a great a great town. We're really, really happy to be yeah, here. That's awesome. Let me ask an unfair question. So okay. I know that go. going into it. So you started in the midst of, I would say in 150 years, they'll look back and say, Whoa, yeah. something happened in 2020. <laughs> but if you, if you look forward 10 years, five years, um, how do you, how will y'all embrace change? Cause I'm sure in five years, the work environment will look a little bit different than it does today. And definitely a little bit different than it did in March of 2020. So how, how do you embrace that? And how do you look ahead and know your values and know what you stand for, but also adapt to whatever that change may look like? Totally. I mean, I think like to look ahead, you kind of have to look back, right? So when we started this company in April, launched our product in August, we thought we had about a year 
right? We thought everything would go back in person. We kind of had a moonshot to see if, if the idea would stick and people would buy the product. And I mean, truly we were like, this was our pandemic project. Camille and I both kept our full-time jobs for the first year. And then that didn't happen, right? Suddenly the pandemic lasted much longer than anybody expected, but also businesses started to, and are starting to shift to either fully remote or hybrid models. And so for us, we, of course, we know like the future is totally unknown and the workplace will look different in five years, 10 years, even a year from now. But I think we're, we firmly believe that we're really on the precipice of a new way of working and a new hybrid world. Um, And we're really excited and we like embrace all of the innovation and change that's coming. And we got really lucky that we, we built a product that has um, a much longer longevity and the opportunity for it to grow than, than we previously thought. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting because I don't know, it's, your answer was very similar to other CEOs or executives at other companies. And they're like, we get it that the world will change, but we have these distinct values that, that will carry us through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that's interesting yeah. that, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, my co-founder Camille likes to joke that like, we're not trying to be a unicorn here, right? Like we are not trying to say that we're going to be a multi-billion dollar company or, you know, transform people's lives. Like we're really here to help people. We built a product that helps people. Our customers tell us every day, like you save me time. I feel more confident public speaking, even on zoom or teams is still my greatest fear. And I feel more comfortable and in control and confident using Bodium. And like, that's what drives us, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've built something that's super helpful that everybody needs. I mean, we're selling to both corporations and organizations and, you know, large companies at scale for their employees and their teams and their executives, but also, you know, we're selling to individuals, yoga teachers, preachers, Mm. rabbis, Mm. um, teachers, you know, you name it. And everyone is having the same, same problems and the same fears. And so if we can do something to, you know, help our customers and, hopefully help more and more um, as this grows and virtual and hybrid life becomes more a part of all of our lives. Like we feel like we're doing it right and and we'll be here. Yeah, that's really cool. I We talk about purpose a lot, like and making sure your purpose is a hyper focus on your purpose. And I call it your why, like why do you do what yeah. you do, right? And you just mentioned it. Yours is about people. You help people in their workplace. You help make their jobs easier. It's about people. And that's how we feel about ours too. It's like, we're, we're here to help people, you know, take their next step in their career or whatever. So that's really, totally. I love hearing you say that. Cause mm, like when your yeah. why is sound, it's like, you got it. Right. So yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, it's so cool what you guys are doing too, right? Like job transitions, like making that next move, figuring out what you want to do in your career. Like we've talked about for yeah. the last, you know, half hour, it's some of like the, the hardest and biggest challenges of life. So kudos to you guys for doing that and shameless plug Podium's a great tool for virtual interviews, right? We have lots of customers who use it to keep their notes or the stories they want to tell on their interviews right in front of them while they're speaking. Um, so we'll, we'll have to send it to you guys after this no, as well. I'd love to. I, I've been thinking that the whole time. We should talk offline. I, I'm thinking of some folks maybe if I can connect you with it because it's y'all are, again, the service is amazing. So we need, we, we need to connect a little bit further on that. For sure. Um, but for yeah, sure. I think that's good on time. We really appreciate you. If you don't mind, I think we're at the point of, if people can reach out to you and connect with you, how should they do that? 
Yeah, you can visit Vodium.us, Vodium, which is like virtual podium, so podium with a V. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Vodium underscore US. We're, we're there and you can reach out to me personally on LinkedIn. My name's Mary Meller, the only one. So you'll find me there. Oh, no, that's awesome. The only one on LinkedIn having a product. Mary, yeah. That's the first error. This is amazing. I know, I know. Dude, that's awesome. Thanks, Mary. We appreciate your time. This has been a blast. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. It was a blast. Um, Good luck and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Take care.